0: Welcome to the NVIDIA AI podcast. I'm your host, Noah Kravitz. My guest today is Dr. Angus Tran. Angus is the co-founder and CEO of Harrison AI. Harrison AI is a clinician-led healthcare AI company using deep learning to tackle one of our biggest global challenges, the inequality and capacity of the healthcare system. One of Harrison's ventures is Annalise AI, which grew out of a partnership born in early 2020 with iMed Radiology, to develop comprehensive solutions across radiology modalities. Dr. Tran is a world-renowned expert in deep learning and healthcare, who was originally trained as a doctor at New South Wales University in Sydney. Dr. Tran, thank you so much, and welcome for joining the
1: NVIDIA AI podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: So why don't we start, if you would, tell us a little bit about your own background and um, how you got involved in the field of AI and obviously as pertains to healthcare.
1: So I, um, I, I came to Australia about 12 years ago as an international student. And, um, you know, growing up in, in Vietnam is where I come from, Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, my father was a math teacher and he was quite innovative for his time. Um, so he introduced programming as a subject into high school um, in Vietnam. Back in the day, you know, it was oh, wow. no computer science as yeah, part yeah. of a curriculum. Uh, he introduced Pascal and uh, was teaching, uh, you know, was coercing Math Olympiad kid to go over to, to the dark side and, and do program <laughs> growing up i always you know was exposed to algorithm developments and programming from a very young age and i always thought i would grow up to be a computer science engineer but when i went over to australia and studied i really fall in love into uh, medicine because one of the things i realized is uh, computer science was a, a tool that can be used to solve really complex problems and what other what other more worthwhile problem than to um, look after your fellow human being and and, and medicine? Uh, and unfortunately, unlike programming, where you know you can learn online and self taught, medicine is really a, is a human endeavor, right? It's an experience, uh, and you couldn't read that from a book. Unfortunately, so I, I ended up went uh, in medical training uh, at University of New South Wales. Spent six years there, studying the, the art and craft and the practice of medicine, um, and really just fall in love with it, how impactful you know medicine can be for a community and for the individual. During this whole time, I was still very much obsessed with programming. Um, <laughs> I tried to start a failed startup uh, from the dorm room, like you would. What was the
0: focus of the failed startup?
1: The, the startup was um, in the early days of you know ticketing. Before you know phone ticketing was cool, so oh. it was like a, a code base event ticketing solution uh, mm-hmm. that I, with my friends. Um, I also dabbled in, you know, uh, programming while I was in my medical training on the side. Right. And this is around the time where a lot of the breakthrough in machine learning and deep learning come through, right? So mm-hmm. you would hear things like, um, you know, the go program. Mm-hmm. You would hear about things like Jeopardy, the mm-hmm. AI yeah. beat that. So, you know, when I was growing up, I was programming chess engine and, and other um, algorithms and, you know, when, when I saw this breakthrough, I said, something was different here. Because when I was programming as a kid, this was very, very hard problem. You was doing like min-max search, and it wouldn't didn't do these things. So clearly, something was very different. Um, so that's when I said, I have, a, have to take a deeper look at this. So when I uh, d- went down a rabbit hole in machine learning and deep learning, I take a lot, like, you know, use my saving at the time, very little saving, be I- that. Bought some NVIDIA GPU actually, built <laughs> myself a deep learning yeah, tower, yeah. uh, borrowed some money from my brother Dimitri at the time, built a bigger tower. Uh, right. it was N80Ti at the time, you know, it was state of the art at the time. Yep, yep. Uh, and get really deep on that and just start competing on Kaggle. You know, did a lot of competitions there, um, did quite well in some of them. And yeah, I mean, and just start being fascinated by this notions of applying AI in, in healthcare. Um so that's that's how um that's how I got started in in the field uh, around around the, the the fifth year of my training in my final training I got involved in a project um you know that people commonly know Harrison and myself as is the IVF AI technology it made a lot of news at the time because uh, it was technology that can look at human embryos the video of it and decide if the embryo is likely to create a baby or not right um, so in, IVF
0: now, in, in vitro fertilization yeah
1: yeah um, in vitro fertilization. So there would be 20 embryos. There's videos of it. And uh, I develop an AI system that can classify them into pregnancy or no pregnancy. And that rapidly get adopted and deploy across Australia and then the world, right from, you know, um, where I was at the time as a medical student. Oh, that's and amazing. And really feeling that medical impacts, right? Yeah. Uh, so I looked at that story and I said, wow, you know, if I was practicing as a clinician, I'd be lucky to see like 100 patients and really make a, impacting their life uh, over the course of a year. Uh, and, you know, here, you know you can touch thousands of patients mm-hmm. by developing uh, AI tools that scale the knowledge and expertise of medicine. Right. Um, wow. So I thought, you know, this is a really what, different way of practicing medicine. And that's how I ended up roping my brother, Dimitri, to, to start. <laughs> um, you know, he quit his job at the time as a head of innovation from Ramsey Healthcare, a big private health company mm-hmm. here in Australia. And together we we started Harrison uh, with the mission to scale global capacity of healthcare with a suite of autonomous AI system in multiple medical domain, starting with radiology. And then now we're in pathology and other things. Uh, but radiology has been our focus for the last few years.
0: Right. So I, I think we need to shout out Dimitri because he lent you the money to build that. It was the second tower, right? To build the bigger tower.
1: And the then he pulled tower. him
0: away from his big time job at the big healthcare company <laughs> to start Harrison with you. That's fantastic. So you mentioned uh, the focus on radiology now, um, and you've got a um, a product, or I guess it's sort of a sub company that I mentioned in the intro, uh, Analyse AI. Uh, what does Annalise do? What's its mission?
1: So Analyse was, you know, our first attempt in autonomous AI system in diagnostic uh, medicine. Okay. And the front line, uh, the, the the front door of healthcare is radiology. Uh, most of us, across of our life, if we ever needed to engage in health system, we most likely have. Uh, some sort of imaging. I, so, Analy- I,
0: I had an x-ray done uh, a week and a half ago as we recorded this, in fact. So <laughs> I can vouch for that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and that experience spanned a billion times a, a year across right. the world. Yeah. Um, so Annalise's mission is to grow, scale the global capacity of radiology diagnostic with autonomous radiology system. Okay. So the reason why that mission is so worthwhile is because uh, one of the biggest shortage uh, in medicine is radiologists. For example, in Australia, where I come from now, we have two thousand radiologists looking after a population of twenty million people. Wow!
0: Why that, the shortage?
1: You know, well, the reality is because it takes um, twelve years to train to train uh, radiologists. Okay. So if you if you got if if the uh, audience plays StarCraft or other like Warcraft, when you know when you press Bill, and like a unit get built and then like a Marine come out and then there's a progress bar. Uh That progress bar is 12 years for a radiologist. Right, right. Right, so for me, it takes six years to train as a doctor and another six years of subspecialties to become a radiologist, which means that if the government put all the money in and say radiology training is free now, (laughs) anyone can get through, Mm -hmm. uh, we get the result of that 12 years from now. So it's it's a
0: huge gap. There's a gap, Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's a huge gap. And it's also something that's incredibly manual, right? So mm-hmm. um, most people don't realize this, but when you have your X-ray on, that image is displayed on the computer monitors of some radiologist somewhere, and they themselves look at it, yes, analyze it, and decide what goes into those reports, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a very manual process, not at all automated. Right. Um, because of that, we have a huge shortage. If you think about Australia as a shortage, our neighbor Indonesia, just just across the mm-hmm. the ocean, they also have two thousand radiologists, but for a population of two hundred million, yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, if aliens land on Earth, the thing that would say is you guys don't have enough radiologists. <laughs> <laughs> um, like uh, that, that would be the acute observation that it made. And for analysts, you know, being able to build this AI system that look at these images and produce diagnosis. Um, such that you know we can speed up radiologists' time, but also allow clinicians to make better and faster diagnosis, you know, when there's no radiology coverage for such right. as at night or in rural right. regions. Uh, what an, an incredible impact it would be for healthcare.
0: So how does it work?
1: Yeah, man. if if you have an x-ray, um many of the audience can even try it themselves. We we released this as a demo on our website. Oh no
0: kidding. Uh, yeah, so it's I, I, AI. Yeah. I, I don't mean to make this about me, but I haven't actually gotten my report back yet because I had the x-ray on a Friday. My yeah. physician was out for a week. So this is great. I'm going to try this when we're done. So I, I forgive me for interrupting, go ahead.
1: No, it's a uh, it's, it's very common experience for many of us, right? Yeah. In the UK, for example, um, the wait time for diagnosis is about two weeks. Oh, uh, yeah. They met somebody, you know, worry having, you know, a chest x-ray for pneumonia, for cancer, for other okay. diagnosis. Imagine the anxious way they go through. So the technology is that, like I said, the demo is on analyst.ai slash web demo. Okay. Um, you can even upload the images and see what it says. It's not a diagnosis, it's a demo, no, but right, right. this is the same technology that clinicians all around Australia and the world are using today. You take a chest x-ray or CT brain, and we have a comprehensive AI system that look at those images and produce a suite of 124 to 130 different diagnoses. Okay, And these are the same 124, 130 features that a radiologist would be looking for. Right. Now, the difference is because it's an AI system scalable by, um, you know, GPUs and clusters of it, uh, right? It can run at massive scale. So, for example, instantly, a couple of seconds after the image taken, it can look at it. And if there's a critical findings, it would flag that on a wait list. Imagine someone going through your email and pick out the most important unread email and flag okay. it. Yep. that's the same sort of experience for the radiologist right but the other thing also is it acts as a safety net um like i said this is very human and manual process meaning errors is very possible right you know there's a study that said lung cancer is missed in something like a 5% of all x-ray wow um so it's a huge amount of errors so the AI system act as a spell checker, as if you like, for radiologists. <laughs> well said. They make their diagnosis and the AI would go in and make sure that there's nothing important is missed. And that works across the chest x-ray and CT brain, which is two of the most common medical imaging modality in the world right now.
0: Right. And so the idea, which is, um, if I have it right, which is a common theme amongst all of the, you know, I say successful, whatever the measure is, but the successful implementations of AI is you have a human in the loop. It's not, replacing radiologists, but it's enhancing their ability to, you know, to make more correct diagnoses, basically, right? And part of that is that safety net, and part of it is flagging those critical, um, critical findings, as you said. What were some of the challenges you faced or, or, or are still working on, if, if the case may be, in developing Annalise?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, for these tools, you know, one of the, um, the challenges for us is that the minimum algorithmic performance is very high. Um, so if you were building, for instance, a traffic-like um, classifier, or if you were building a hot dog or not classifier, right. you may get away with you know, a performance of 80 to 90% because right. the, the consequences of an error right. is the here. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in, in medical diagnosis, um, this AI system has a very high bar of accuracy because ultimately you are helping people diagnose for fractures pneumonia and cancer. So we spend a huge amount of time uh, trying to solve the accuracy issues. Um, and that comes from a number of places, right? So number one is the data set, you know, creating, curating a massive, um, you know, millions of images, uh, data to train our AI system. Unfortunately, there's no ImageNet for x right? Yeah. These data set, we need to build and grow ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we also have a huge data annotation efforts at Analyze. Mm-hmm. So, Unfortunately, we can't get anybody off the street to label for the street light or the hot right. dog. Right. Uh, we have an army of radiologists to do this. So analysts engage with hundreds of radiologists uh, to go through these images and very meticulously annotate for the present of these findings mm-hmm. in very high accuracy. Many times these images are annotate three times over, five times over, such that the consensus can be used to train mm-hmm. the AI system. So we are squeezing this. You know the point 2.5% of the accuracy out because, you know, that when you're multiplying to a billion chest x-ray a year, translate to thousands or right. 10,000 of medical diagnosis and better outcome for patients. So that that is, you know, one of the key challenges that analysts work through, um, which is the, the development of this highly accurate and comprehensive AI system. I'm speaking with
0: Dr. Angus Tran. Angus is the co-founder and CEO of Harrison AI, a clinician-led healthcare company uh, that's using AI, using deep learning to improve the access to healthcare and quality of healthcare globally. And we're speaking specifically right now about one of their sub-ventures, Annalise AI, which uh, is focused on radiology. And as we've be- been discussing, is using deep learning techniques to help radiologists um, make more and more accurate uh, diagnoses um, across some some, I mean, literally life or death situations, as, as we've been talking about. We mentioned kind of at the top that uh, Harrison started out with the IVF project and has uh, moved on and is focused a lot on radiology right now. What are some of the other things, uh, aside from Annalise, that either you're working on or might be in the plans kind of going forward? Because it, it seems like from... The company's background and certainly your background, and looking at the website, that ideally uh, your reach will be broader. I don't want to say than just radiology because it's obviously a huge, a huge uh, need as, as we've been talking about. But what else is Harrison working on?
1: Yeah, so so our mission is to scale healthcare with autonomous AI system and enhance the clinician's ability. Right um, within that, you have radiology, um, and radiology, as you correctly identify, is very deep field. Uh, we have much more work to do uh, to solve a bigger part of radiology. We start with the two biggest modality, including chest X-ray and CT brain. Um, we are working on other modality like CT chest, you know, breast imaging, imaging of the uh, joint and musculoskeletal system, imaging of the abdomen and the pelvis. So there's a lot more work that we still aspire to do and to drive further automation in radiology. Right. Uh, the other thing that uh, we recently started um, is in the field histopathology diagnosis so we have a um, you know a sibling company for analysts if you like called Franklin AI okay uh, Franklin is new is um, is still in uh, product development at the moment but we're looking to uh, share the same vision but in the field of histopathology diagnosis
0: and what is histopathology
1: so histopathology is when a clinician make a biopsy uh, and get a samples of okay. a lesion potentially right. a cancerous lesion they then cut very thin slice of it, like a salami slice, right. and then put that under a light microscope to inspect for the presence of cancer cells. So we are building a, a system that can help the pathologist in analyzing those gigapixel images uh, to understand the presence as well of cancer, but also the outcome prediction for the patient.
0: How similar or different is Franklin to Annalise in terms of you know the technology and your development process and the... the um milestones and, and hurdles that you're facing
1: you know at at the core of it um, you know there's some very similar pattern which include uh, building a high-performance computer vision system uh, large-scale data set management and annotations uh, but also you know some of the rigors around quality and accuracy as we previously discussed okay. uh, so actually harrison uh, developed a lot of uh, shared toolings a lot of shared technology that get used uh, across products but also across, you know, entity like Franklin and Annalise. So Harrison developed a suite of um, libraries. We call Harrison AI Machine Learning Suite um, Mm -hmm. that uh, include very common building blocks uh, across this. So we've done many different projects now solving diagnostic AI system automation. Mm -hmm. And we look to be able to transfer some of that technology uh, across projects and hopefully to accelerate that development over time.
0: There's a lot of talk <laughs> I was gonna say in the States, and I can extend that at least to some parts of the UK, because I've I've been talking to some folks in the UK recently, uh, more 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 than than usual. But there's a lot of talk certainly in, in the US about AI and about data privacy and ethical implications, and you know, kind of a mix of uh some outright fear about AI systems and and what's happening, but I think more of a focus on seeing. The good that mm. AI-enabled tools can can bring to the world, and then trying to figure out how does the data fit in. And so, in the case of you know generative AI has been getting a lot of press, at least uh, over here, I think globally, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and so, there's a lot of talk about you know companies scraping uh, the web and using that data for their training sets, and then the ethical implications for you know artists and writers, um, for one. What are some of the ethical issues that uh, you're facing that Harrison is grappling with in the healthcare industry more broadly when it comes to using AI in healthcare? You
1: know, I think for um, for data set um, that we use, they all uh, de-identify and data set. Um, and there's been a lot of work being done to ensure that this meet you know, all the requirements uh, of the law in being compliant with those regulations in data privacy and health. Um, I think, you know, for me, Thinking about the ethical challenges of using AI system in health is actually um, the converse, which is: is it ethical to not use um, AI for medical diagnosis? So I imagine like a thought experiment for you. I imagine you are on a plane about to take off for Sydney, Australia. Maybe you come and visit us, sure. and as the plane roll down the runway, uh, the, the intercom come up and say, "Dear passenger, uh, the autopilot system is down today." And I'm feeling adventurous, so I will be taking off manually today. Yeah, enjoy the ride. How how would you feel about that? As
0: soon as the pilot said they were feeling adventurous, I'd be trying to break my window out and jump out the side of the plane.
1: Right. But <laughs> if what if this Which is, is not? The,
0: with no disrespect to the pilots yeah. out there,
1: I just get a little yeah. I get a
0: little worked up quickly.
1: Yeah, that's essentially what we're doing right now in medical diagnosis, right? We're saying, you know, there's AI machine learning system that's capable of looking at chest X-ray and CT brain. And, you know, we have publications in, you know, credible medical journal like Lancet that shows that the, the system simply is more accurate. Right. Uh, human using those AI systems simply pick up more misdiagnosis, pick up more cancer and other conditions. So, you know, one of the things that I'm grappling with is, you know, if I have a chest x-ray done today and if my family members and uh, have a chest x-ray done today, is it ethical to have someone looking at that without the protection and support of that, it's, it's the same as you know. Is it responsible to write uh, a script for a podcast without running it through a spell checker? You know, it. Right. That's that's what I'm thinking about. So suddenly, there's a the deep sort of utility view in AI system for medical diagnosis, and this course there's concern, and we you know, as a society just really come together and have those really deep debates uh, about that. I would say, you know, uh, other industry using AI system should learn from uh, the medical industry, because AI in healthcare is actually very well regulated and there's very robust discussions on what safe usage look like. Right. How should we validate it? How should we get regulatory clearance for it? How do how do performance get measured and benchmarked? Uh, because of the rigours of uh, of healthcare, as I said, the accuracy requirement is very high and uh, right. is very high stake. Uh, this actually wrote the playbook for. <laughs> what good AI implementation in mission-critical application look like. Right. So I think, you know, other areas like chatbots and other systems, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We need to look at you medicine. Look at, See, at the you, medical playbook. Yeah. Like what, what are we dealing with? Right, right. Uh, be it, some of it is quite overdone at the moment, right? A lot of it is very high bar, but it's, it's good sort of rule books on what safe and ethical AI usage look like.
0: What do you think is next and 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 this is a broad question, so you know, tackle it from whatever angle makes sense to you. But the role of AI in everything, I, I think that folks who have been <laughs> listeners of this podcast would know. But people have been working with AI in some capacity the past year and a half hasn't been this brand new thing as it's been sort of in the mainstream. The explosion of chatbots and you know things that that users could interface with language models really opened a lot of people up to this idea of, oh, AI is here. But people have been doing things with AI for years and years. The healthcare industry, as you said, certainly among among the leaders of using the technology. Where do you see AI and healthcare going next? Is it, obviously you mentioned, Harrison, you're focused on scaling, right? So you're providing these services and helping healthcare practitioners be able to do more and in turn better healthcare for more people. And it's a matter of scaling that out. Uh, And we talked about diagnostics. As an industry at large, is this kind of the trend that you think is going to happen? It's a matter of, you know, doing these things that companies like yours are already doing and refining them and scaling them. Is there some new, you know, thing coming, whether it's generative AI or some other AI-powered thing that, you know, the first thing that always comes to my mind is, um, you know, increased individual personalized X, right? So in the case of healthcare, yeah. maybe it's better preventative care because my phone can use AI to track mm-hmm. myself, you know, my vitals and everything and give me better yeah. preventative care ideas. What,
1: yeah, what are I mean, you thinking I, about? I, I actually think about it in, in sort of two buckets, right? So one is what I call AI inside, and then the other bucket is what I call AI first. So okay. AI inside is, you know, what we're working on now, which is, you know, we are doing the tasks that previously done by a human, we're just doing that. We, we just fix some of the bugs, right? Um, some sure. of the bugs is the, uh, number one is the scalability, as we touched on. The fact that it required 12 years to, to right. build radiologists mean that the scale is limited. Um, the other bug is actually the fact that people go to sleep at night and they go play golf in the weekend, meaning that the availability of this service follow human availability. And unfortunately, people don't get sick on a circadian rhythm. I mean, yeah, I get, right. you can equally likely to have a car accident requiring a CT head at night. Right. And you're equally likely to get kicked by a horse in a farm in rural <laughs> region, versus you know, falling down a stair in the middle of city. Right. So healthcare and and medical needs is universally needed, but the availability is following like some of the geographic and, mm-hmm. and circadian distribution, right? Uh, So the other bug that we we look to fix in the AI inside on just tasks that people are doing now is the accuracy, right? The variability. So uh, clinicians wake up in the morning, they got their morning coffee and they're top tip top performing. They're unlikely to make a mistake, right? But they have a burrito at lunch, a very hairy burrito and, you know, melatonin and stuff kicked in. They're gonna miss more things. Yeah, yep. So the lesson here: do not go and have extra in, uh, in the middle of the day. The middle of the day. After, <laughs> uh, and then you know, during so the day. Not that,
0: where there's good Mexican food. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's, there's variability in diagnosis, right? Um, so it's a non-deterministic system. And so there's a huge opportunity in just fixing some of the bugs with current uh, system and scaling it. The other area that you allude to with AI first is new knowledge, right? Like discovery. And I think that's equally exciting. For example, uh, you know, there's pan in our data today that you know we just simply haven't seen yet. For example, you know, can we predict the presence of cardiac risk, you know, risk of heart attack, from looking at, like you said, you know, personalized companion uh, device data, or looking at unexpected modality like the retina to predict risk for? To cancer uh, and and other conditions, right. so I think there's there's going to be a huge amount of discovery coming through on that side of the fence as well mm-hmm. on what are new and different ways of doing medicine that's only possible with AI. Um, so I think both need to happen. We still need to read a billion chest X-rays a right. year. Yeah, that's not going away. And right. if you don't solve that adding new diagnosis and new techniques is not going to fix it. not going right? to matter, yeah. Um, yeah. But like you know, I said. Some, some smart people, and we have a lot of them in the world, need to build on both stack uh, to allow us to have a better health system in the future.
0: So that is a perfect setup for my last question for you. Speaking of the people who need to come along and build on both stacks, yeah. for folks listening, maybe younger folks, maybe people making a career switch, whoever they may be, who are interested in pursuing a career in AI and perhaps specific to uh, using AI and, and other advanced technologies in healthcare to advance healthcare? What advice might you have for them?
1: Yeah, I, I would say um, the the first step is to decide upfront what problems you're willing to spend a huge a part of your time solving first before the AI part. So unless you are you know with exception being if you are an AI researchers who your curiosity lie in a discovery of AI techniques and machine learning system and as a society we we really need those people to keep going because yes. they thing it probably work <laughs> but you know if, if the if the ambition is to apply AI right so if if the question was about people looking to apply AI the first thing is actually fall in love with some problem because it it is hard right it is a very hard and long journey oftentimes you the AI bit, the data science bit might even be the easier part. It's the part where you understand the problem, collect the data set, getting enough resource together to label those data set, hopefully piecing up enough capital to buy some of those fancy Nvidia GPU to train those systems. Um, and then at the end of it, it needs to be a product, right? It needs to be something that adds value that people are willing to use and pay for. Um, so it's a very long, hard journey um, so unless you really fall in love with that problem space and willing to spend you know your life best work solving that problem, it's going to be very hard to think about it on just the AI front. And then once that happens, you know, then then I think we benefit a whole lot from the open source community. Uh, a lot of technique is available out there. So you know, there's very good tooling. So, you know, pick a framework. You know, we we are PyTorch shop here at at Harrison and and stick to it. Uh, And then try to focus a lot of your time on solving the problem uh, rather than the AI itself if application is what you want.
0: Well said. Dr. Chan, this has been a pleasure. Uh, Really appreciate you taking the time and enjoyed talking. And uh, you have a knack for describing things in a way that people can understand and relate to without dumbing it down at all. So uh, I I think the listeners are going to appreciate this conversation quite a bit. We mentioned there's Harrison.ai, Annalise.ai, Franklin.ai. The three companies we spoke about. Anywhere else online that you would direct listeners if they want to know more about any of the work uh, happening under the Harrison umbrella, or even uh, any of your own personal research, social media. Anywhere they should go when they're done listening to this episode.
1: Yeah, check check us out as the website that you mentioned, Noah. We uh, we have uh, some podcasts ourselves that we talk to great in- industry leaders in the space, um, as well as some of the incredible work that we are doing in the space of medical domain. Uh, so if you're curious about um, AI and healthcare, maybe you want to try out some of your own chest X-ray on yes. our AI, see what it said, you can go to our website and and, and check out those demo and also, um, you know, some of the blog posts that we do also on, on the Harrison.ai slash podcast and slash news.
0: Perfect. Uh, well, Angus, again, thanks for taking the time to talk with us and best of luck in everything you're doing.
1: Thank you, Noah.